With Hashem Salper learning Saita Daf Chav Gimel, we left off on Daf Chav Gimel Amidalaf in the middle of the Mishnah, four lines from the top of the Amid. The Mishnah was speaking about the Minchaisehem that are Nisrafais, meaning that once the Mincha was sanctified in a Klisharis, in other words, it acquired Kedushas Haguf. If the woman is going to say, for example, that I, am, I was defiled, I had a relation with him, and the other examples the Mishnah gave, then none of that mincha can be offered. And being that it has Kedusha, Kedusha Saguf, it cannot be redeemed. So it has to be burned in one of the piles of ashes that were used to burn all of the sanctified foods, foods that became puzzle. And now the Mishnah is going to give you an example where also a mincha is going to be burnt, but it's different than all of the cases that we had until now. Until now, we were learning about karbanais menachis from the Saitan, <clears throat> that none of it can be offered. So all of it has to be burnt on the ash pile. However, what happens if you have a Saitan after the mincha was properly taken and offered on the Mizbeach? If she is married to a Kayan, whether she herself is a Kayanis, or not is not relevant in all cases. The din will be according to our Tana that minchaisehen, meaning the shirayin, which is normally eaten by the kahanim, they are going to be in the surface. They are going to be burnt. And as we're going to learn in the bottom of this Amid, really machleik is tanoim. But first of all, everyone agrees to the fact that Torah says. In Parshas Tzav, Bechol Minchas Koyin, Kolol Tia Loiseyachal, which means that all, at least, let's say, like Rashi says in Chumash, all of the donated karbonos of Mincha, flower offerings of Kahanim, you don't take a kmitzah from it. All of the carbon is offered on the Mizbeach, and that's Dafke if it belongs to the Koyin. If it belongs to a Koyhenes, whether she's a bas kain, whether she's married to a kain, we have a problem. Why do we have a problem? Because the only person's carbon that can be fully burnt is if the owner is a kain. When the wife of a kain brings a carbon, you can argue on one hand, since he halachically, legally owns it, so he's an owner in it. And any carbon that belongs, a carbon mincha that belongs to a kain has to be fully burnt. There was no kemitza and then shirayim eaten by kahanim. On the other hand, the cardamom is going to bring atonement for the woman who's bringing it. She doesn't have the din that all of it should be burnt. So therefore, a kemitza needs to be taken. And as we will learn, there is a din that we learned from a pasuk in the Torah that once the parts of the cardamom that needed to be offered were already offered on the mezbeach, no other remaining part is allowed to be offered again on the Mizbeach. That's a very important rule. And being that the Kemitzah was already offered, and there's a question mark as what do we do with the Shirayim? Do we consider it hers, and therefore it could be eaten by the Kahanim? Do we consider it the husband's, the Kayans, and therefore all of it should have been offered at one shot on top of the Mizbeach, but it wasn't offered that way. A Kemitzah was taken first, so this Tana is of the opinion that all of the Shirayim, instead of it being given to Kahanim, and has to be burned on the ash pile. And the Mishnah says, this is not necessarily connected to a carbon of a Saita, continues the Mishnah, that Bas Yisrael, any Bas Yisrael, Shenisei Slikoyen, and really like we spoke out, it can even be a Kahanis, that is married to a Koyen, Minchasa Nisrefis, and in reverse, a Koyenis that marries a Yisrael, here there's absolutely no problem. Because the din of a cholminchas koyen kolol tia is only on the male koyen. So if she is a koyenes, if her husband is not a koyen, in other words, the ownership that he has in the monetary value of the mincha also does not demand for it to be fully burned. He's not a koyen. So then her mincha will be like any other carbon mincha, which will be that only a kemitza, only the scoopful is offered on top of the Mizbeach, and the remaining, the Shirayim, Minchasa will be Nechelas to the Kayhanim that are serving on that Mishmar. Good. So now that the Mishnah made a clear point, 
that there is a difference between a coin and a kehenis regarding the unique din that a nedava mincha carbon of a male koyin only is to be fully burnt on top of the mizbeach, no kemitzah is taken, but a koyhenis' carbon mincha is like anyone else's that is offered only kemitzah on the mizbeach and the remnants to the kahanim. So now the Mishnah continues, ma bein koyin lekoyhenis. Let me tell you some other differences that exist between a koyin and a kehenis. And these Mishnais are so good to learn because we end up learning or reviewing, for those of us who learned this, many, many different dinim, which is very good. Every now and then we do it. We don't have time to forget. Says the Mishnah, for, first of all, the din that we just learned right now, Minchas Nechelos. Minchas Nechelos. Right, like we just mentioned. The din is, again, Bechol Minchas Koyen Kolultia Loiseyachel. Another din will be Koyhenes Mishalelos. Koyhenes Mishalelos, a Koyhenes, can become permanently, let's say, profaned. What does permanently profane mean? Let's read Rashi, very important, the second line in the narrow lines from the top inside. Koyhenes mischalelas. Rashi says both, that it's possible for her to be permanently disqualified from ever again eating truma. It's possible for her to become permanently profaned or disqualified from marrying a koyin. These are the two dinim, which are the result of her becoming a Halala, and what would cause that to happen, says Rashi, im niva'ala lipsul. We learned this together in Yavamis. If a woman has one relation to a man with whom she's not allowed to get married to, both including if she was with a man with that the prohibition of marriage is because the man is a coin. Like, for example, she's a divorcee, she has a relation with a coin. A coin cannot marry her. Or if she has a relation with any man, with any Jew, cannot have a relation with, that will disqualify her permanently from ever again not being allowed to eat truma. She's not allowed to eat, marry a coin. Like the, the more known example today is that if a woman, God forbid, has one time a relation with a non-Jew, she can never marry a coin. That's the din, that koyhenes mischalelos. Notice, we don't say that while she was engaged in the non-kosher behavior, then she's disqualified. But if she does tshuva, then she can return back to her sta- status of being kosher. It doesn't work that way by the kahenis. Contrasting that with the koyin back in the Mishnah, but the koyin ain't mischalel. A koyin will not become permanently um, profaned or disqualified, let's say, from doing the avoida. So let's say if a koyin, God forbid, marries a divorcee, during the time that he's married, he cannot serve in the Beis HaMikdash, cannot eat truma. But if, and hopefully he will divorce her because a Kain is not allowed to be married with a woman, that's a divorcee, then he returns to his original state of kashros. Interesting. In other words, the children that he will have with this uh, Gerusha will be permanently disqualified. The woman becomes permanently disqualified. He's part of the cause. For some reason, it's a Gzeres HaKosov, he does not become permanently disqualified. Back in the Mishnah, another difference between a Koyin and a Kehenes. Koyhenes mitamalomesim. There are no restrictions prohibiting a Kehenes from becoming Tommy. However, ve'en Koyin, the whole Parshas Emoid teaches you that a Koyin is not allowed to be mitamalomesim. With the only exception, during the burial, according to certain Rishonim, even during the preparations of the burial, only for his Seven close relatives. Father, mother, brother, sister, unmarried, God forbid, son and daughter, and spouse. Back in the Mishnah, Koyin gets to eat the Kachay Kachim. In other words, you have the, the, the remaining parts of the Chatos and the remaining parts, as we'll learn in Mirza Shem, in, in, in those Mesechtas of all of the Karbanis that are in the category of Kachay Kachim, only the oil is fully burnt. But even the kachikachim karbanos, aside of the oila, have parts of them that are eaten by the kahanim. They can only be eaten by the male kahanim. Right? Unlike truma, for example, that can be eaten by a koyhenes, by a baskoin. Unlike even kachikalim, that really can be eaten even by Yisraelim. But the ain koyhenes, oichelos be kachikachim. Kachikachim karbanos cannot be eaten by female kahanim.
And now that the Mishnah was giving you a contrast between a Kain and a Kahanas, so the Mishnah is going to tell you not all of, but many of eight dinim in which a man and a woman are different. So the Mishnah goes with case number one. The Mishnah begins with the din of a Mitzayra. One of the behaviors that a Mitzayra needs to do during the time that he or she are deemed a Mitzayra. So the Torah says that there's a din that a, that a man, and Dafka, a man, Ha'ish, has to be Poireya. And we're going to interpret the word Poireya. He has to let his hair grow. He's not allowed to cut his hair. And Ufaydeim, a man has to rent his garments. A woman who becomes a mitzvah does not have to be paideya or paidemes. A woman who is a mitzvah. All of this we'll learn in the Gemara. From where do we know it from? Next case will be, we just learned this in the previous Masechta, that that a man has the power to impose upon his son a vow of nazirus. And that is only on a father. We just learned this. Remember, either this is a halacha l'moshim esinai, and by all halacha l'moshim esinai, we have to follow to the T, to the dot, exactly what Hashem told Moshe. And being that he was told that a father has the power to impose nazirus on a son, only that can be done. And a mother cannot do it. Or like the Shlakish learned over there, that it's connected to chinuch, and that was the whole sugi. We had a nazar. Isn't a woman obligated to be machanach her children? Anyways, we'll get to that. Ayin and nazar. And a little bit of this will be on the Ahmed base. Next then will be ho'ish migaleach on lezidus aviv. A father, the word migaleach literally means he shaves his hair. But what does this refer to? And really it's a limited case. So let's speak out a case that everyone will agree to. That if there was a father who undertook a vow of nazirus, who separated monies that they should be used for the concluding sacrifices. But the father did not specify that this money should go for my chatos and that should go for the oila and the other for the shlamim. He left what we call ma'aisesumen. In other words, he left unspecified funds. And the father passed away before those korbanas were brought. Then, let's learn it this way, the son wanting to give continuity to the mitzvah that his father began, says, I am undertaking upon me a vow of Nazirus on the condition that I should be allowed to use my father's money for my concluding karbanis. And here's where we have the unique din, unlike the usual cases when money was designated for karbanis, especially once they acquire Kedusha, which does not allow them to be redeemed, they have to be used for Kayetz Mizbech. They are used to buy communal Oila karbanos that are going to be offered on the altar when the altar is sitting idle. We don't want the mizbech to be empty. But here is an exception that the son can use those monies for his own karbanos that conclude his nazirus, but that only goes on a son. But the ein ha'isha migalachas al nazirus avia, a daughter, a woman, will not be allowed to use her father's unspecified monies. Again, those monies will not be inherited because there were monies designated for the temple, they're going to be used Next case, says the Mishnah, the father has a power to marry off his daughter until she becomes a boy geres, as we learned that halachically the, the, the stages of a woman's life is divided into three, unlike by men. It's only by men, it's simple. You're either you're a minor or you're an adult. By only by a woman, by a girl, do we have halachically a period where she's called a minor, a kitana. And then there is a period of six months where she's called a na'ara, a maiden. All right, that, that could begin from 12 years in one day as long as she physically began to mature. So from when she begins to mature, we count six months. Now, if she doesn't begin to mature when she's 12 in one day, we wait for that to happen. So let's say she begins to mature when she's 12 months and... and 12 years and 5 months. So you begin the period of Na'arus from that 5 months for 6. And after 6 months passes as a Na'ara, she then becomes called a Boigeres, which means a full-fledged mature woman. A father can marry off his daughter until she becomes a Boigeres. 
However, by title law, a woman cannot marry her for a daughter. But let's remind ourselves that we learned many times that if the father passed away, and under the very unique circumstances, which is really why the Torah gave the father the right to marry his daughter off. And that would be, for example, God forbid, if there's real famine, like famine that Baruch Hashem we don't know of, and people don't have what to eat. People are dying from hunger. So there were times that uh, it would be advantageous to save the life of one's daughter, marry her off to a man who obviously is not going to be with her, but he would give her food because he's, she's going to be his wife. And that same reason, for that reason, in that circumstance, the rabbis gave the power to a mother if she became a widow. In other words, if the girl became an orphan, then Midrabanan, the mother and the older brother, can do the same. But that's only called a rabbinic marriage, and a lot more of that, the in the later Mesechtes. But Midrabanan, a father could, a mother cannot. Another din, a father has the power to sell his daughter as a maidservant. By the way, here, it's not until when she's a boigeres. This din is only until when she's a nara. If he sold her before she's a nara, the Torah says clearly that there are a few things that can set her free. One of them is her becoming a nara. So we have the Kabbalah that if she's already sold and she becomes just 12, she goes free. So for sure, once she's a nara, the father cannot sell her off to begin with. But a mother, a woman cannot sell her daughter as a maidservant. No, the mother and the brother can only marry her off. Our Mishnah, we learned in this Mesechta, I think in Daf Ches, maybe check it up, or in Daf Ches or Daf Tes, whether uh, a woman who's, God forbid, going to be stoned to death in a basin, whether she's clothed or not, a man is definitely stoned. Aside of the little piece of garment that was used to cover his private parts, he was stoned unclothed. And this Mishnah holds like the Chachamim, if I'm not mistaken, that holds the Ein Ha'isha Neskala Saruma. That, that was the whole sugi. In other words, that was Nafches. So if a person is unclothed, they die quicker. On the other hand, there's a certain Bizayan, uh, right? It goes, it goes against human dignity to, to be unclothed. And, and, and the Chachamim hold that a woman would rather even if she's going to be wearing clothing and so her death will be delayed by a split second, she would rather have her death delayed, so to say, being in more pain for a moment, but having her dignity, and that's what the Mishnah is saying. She's not stoned, unclothed. Ho'ish nitla, or nitle, there's a din in the Pasik that after someone was killed in Beisden, their body should be hung, and there are very specific dins, how they are hung. One thing is for sure, they are hung for a very short amount of time, they are hung a moment before the end of the day, and they are immediately taken off. They're hung off a branch of a tree. But the Enoisha Nitlis, a woman, is never hung. All of this again in the Gemara we'll learn from Sukkim. Ho'ish Nimkar If a man steals, God forbid, and he is unable to pay back the money, or he claims he is unable to pay back the money. So Bazdin has the right to sell him up until six years. It's not a six-year sale. In other words, if the value that he stole can be paid off by him becoming a servant from the person to the person from whom he sold, for one year he sold for one year. But if he sold tremendous amounts of monies, God forbid, and he claims he cannot pay it back and Basin cannot find the money, then up until six years he can be sold into slavery. But that only goes for a man. If a woman steals, she can never be sold as a means of paying back the money that she stole. End of Mishnah. So the Gemara is going to speak about the case that we started out today's share with. The concept of Tanar Abanan. We learned in Abraisa the same words we had in our Mishnah. That kol is likahuna. That anyone who's married to a Kayan, by default... Whenever they bring a mincha, whether she's a saita, whether it's any other minchas nedava, so the kemitza will be taken. And now, what do we do with the remaining parts, with the shinayim? This tana holds, again, like our Mishnah, minchaseim has to be nisrafais. They are not burnt on the mezbeach. They are not eaten by the kahanim. They have to be burnt in the ash pile that was in the azara. Right, it's good to remind ourselves. We spoke out that there were three ash piles that were used to burn Psulei Hamukdashim. One was in the Azara, 
One was on Harabayas, and one was Dafke Chutz L'Shalish Machnis, outside Yerushalayim. And here we're speaking about a Mincha, right, that is in the base of Mikdash. So if you cannot use the Shanaim properly, it's burnt in the ash pile in the Azara. Kate Saad explains the Braisa, whether she herself is a Kohenes, or she is a Levia, or she is a Yisraelis, if she if she marries a Kohen, the reason why the Shanaim of the Kemitsa cannot be eaten, as we spoke out in the Mishnah, since halachically, and this is very important, if this is the reason, because if the reason why there's an issue to begin with is because he owns the mincha, then the, our, there's a lot of conversation here amongst the Rishonim. There will be scenarios where halachically he will not own it. There are many scenarios, we learned this together in the Dodim, we learned this later in Gitten and Kedushin, where a woman can own uh, something in which the husband has no rights of altogether. And if she buys a mincha with that money, perhaps it will not be included in our Mishnah or in this Braisa. But when it's a normal scenario where she bought it from funds that halachically he's the owner of, so then since he owns it, it cannot be eaten. Why can it not be eaten? Because the trader says that a mincha of a kayin cannot be eaten. On the other hand, you can't say, okay, do to the mincha what you do to the man kayin's mincha. Don't take out a kmitzah, burn everything on the mizbeach. You can't say that as well. Why? She certainly has a part in the mincha. Why does she have a part in the mincha? Because it's atoning for her. It's fulfilling her nadava. Or in the case of a slate, it's testing her. So she's also part in it. So So a kmitza has to be taken because, because of her chalik in it. And now what happens with the Shanaim? So this Braisa says, Vahashirayim Kraven Baatsman. So the Braisa begins saying, and the Shirayim are going to be offered on the Mizbeach. That is the Tana of this Braisa. Asks the Gemara, how can you say that the Shirayim should also be burnt on the Mizbeach? Ikrikan, why don't we apply? Why don't we read the Pasik? Which is, let's remember this, call Shuhu Mimenoli Ishim, that anything of which a part is placed on the fire, Hareyu Bebal Taktiru, is subject to the prohibition that Bal Taktiru do not burn any remaining part on the Mizbeach. So there is a passage that those of us who say Karbonis, we say every day, Kichol Soir, Vichol Devash, Loi Saktiru Mimenu Ishal Hashem. It's good to remember this, that nothing that has in it Soir, leaven, chametz, nothing that has in it honey is allowed to be offered as a fire to Hashem. That is the literal meaning of the Pasuk. The Pasuk has an extra word, mi menu. The Pasuk could have said, ki chol soir, v'chol devash, loy saktiru, ishal Hashem. What's the mi menu? So Chazal say that this Pasuk needs to be divided into two. There are two prohibitions in this Pasuk. First, the Pasuk says, Ki chol so'er period. That we're not allowed to offer on the Mizbeach, not so'er nor devash. Period. And now there's another prohibition. Now you have to read like this, that lo'isaktiru mimenu ishul Hashem. Which means that once a part of the carbon was offered on the Mizbeach, no remaining part of it can be offered again on the Mizbeach. That's a love. So asks the Gemara, how can this Tana say that the Shirayim of a Mincha of Oikahenes is put on the Mizbeach? You told us that first you have to take off a Kemitza because, because of her Chalik. So once you offer the Kemitza, the Shirayim is the remaining of it. And there's a love, you're not allowed to put it on the Mizbeach. So as says the Gemara, Omar Yehuda Bereid Rabshimen Ben Pazi. That one solution will be that this Tana will hold the Masik Luhu Lushum Eitzim. That when this is put on the Mizbeach, as Rashi says, the Kayan should speak out. Let's read inside Rashi four or five lines before the wide lines. Rashi, the name of Hachi, the Kayan should say the following. If we are allowed to put it on the Mizbeach, why would they be allowed to put it on the Mizbeach? Because if we are going to view this Mincha, as only a koyen's mincha, then the kemitza wasn't a halachic act. Because whenever a koyen brings a mincha, there's no kemitza. So it's, it was nothing. And if it was nothing, then this is not considered the remaining part of. 
it's like when you put it on the Mizbeach, you don't have to put it in one second. You know, it goes in parts. Like when they brought up the limbs of the animals, they didn't put all the limbs in one second. There's no problem there because they didn't put apart and stop. It's one continuum. So the, the Kayin says, if really he, there shouldn't have been a Kamitzah, so then So then everything that we're doing is good. It's not considered a remaining part of. However, the Kayin says, if we're going to view this Mincha as belonging to her, not because she financially owns it, because it's being brought for her atonement, if it's considered hers, so then the kemitza was a kemitza. Because anyone other than a male kayan who brings a mincha, you have to take out a kemitza. And if you took out a kemitza and you burned it on the mizbeach, so this is considered the remaining part. So if that's the case, the kayan should say, what we are putting on the mizbeach is not part of a carbon. We are putting all of this flour and water, flour and oil, as, as firewood, and we had this many times, and we will have this in Mirza many times, to speak out, it's not a carbon, this is simply what we would call the carbon eight. Now, not all of the Tanoim hold that you can speak this out. And this is like the opinion of the great Rabbi Eliezer, the time we learned, Rabbi Eliezer Oimer, that whenever you have a issue, a problem. And the case of Rabbi Yezid was when there were parts of an oila and parts of a chatos that got mixed together, now an oila has to be fully burnt on the mezbeach. There are remnant parts of the chatos that have to be eaten by the kahanim. If they get mixed together, the kahanim cannot eat it because he might be eating up the oila. So put it, every, put it all on the mezbeach. You can't put it on the mezbeach because of this lab that we just learned, that leisakiru mi menu, Right? You can't put up something that is a remaining part of a carbon. So Rabbi Yezus speaks out in that case, this concept of saying, put everything on the Mizbeach, and the client should say, if this is Oilam, so then I'm putting it up Kedin. It's not a remaining part of. It's putting it up for the first time. If what I'm putting up now is a carbon Chatos, then I'm putting it on the Mizbeach, not to burn the remaining parts of the Chatos. I'm putting it on the Mizbeach, L'Shem, Eitzim. Aval Atam Aleu, L'Shem Eitzim. So the Gemara says, Well, sometimes we would that the author of the Braise is Rabbi Eliezer. So the Gemara says, not necessarily true. Because aside of the sheet of Rabbi Eliezer, that you can put something on the Mizbech Lushumaitzim, the Avdi Luhu, our Braise can hold like Kirabulazar Badab Shimin. What's Rabbi Yosef Rabbi Shimon says? The time we learned Rabbi Yosef Rabbi Shimon The case of Rabbi Yosef Rabbi Shimon is there are three obligatory chiyuv karbanos of mincha that a coin might bring. When we spoke out the pasuk that it says in Parshas Tzav v'chol minchas koyin kolol tia loy seyachel that you don't take a kemitzah from a carbon of a mincha, that you offer all of it up on the mizbeach, that, like Rashi says in Chumash, is by a minchas nidava. Now, there are three sins for which normally, if they are done by accident, you bring an animal carbon, but there are three scenarios where if the person who sinned is very poor, he's allowed to bring a, a, min, a carbon chatas from flour. They, they are called the karbanos that are oil of If the person is wealthy, he brings an animal carbon. If the person is not that wealthy, he can bring bird karbanos or birds as his carbon. If the person is bedali dalos, God forbid, if a person is very poor, then they can bring only a flower offering. Now there's a three-way machloikis tanoim as to how does the kayan bring it. So over there, the Pasuk says the words, v'hoysola kayan kamincha, that it should be for the kayan like a mincha. What does it mean, kamincha, so the Tanakama holds? Koyen kamincha means all of it is burnt. In other words, there is no difference between an andava or a chiyuv. Whenever a koyen brings a mincha offering, none of it is separated. The whole thing is burnt on the mezbeach. Then you have the sheet of Rab Shimon, and he says, v'hoysa la koyen kamincha doesn't mean that it's like a koyen's mincha. It means it's like a Yisrael's mincha, partially. A kamitza has to be taken, a kamitza has to be taken, but the shirayim should also be burnt on the mizbeach. 
And at least according to Rashi and many other Rishonim, Rav Shimon does not hold of the love of Loi Saktiru Mimenu Ishal Hashem. Rav Shimon doesn't hold that if you offer the carbon and you have remnants, that the remnants cannot be re-offered on top of the Mizbech. He doesn't hold of that. So you take out a Kamitza, and then the rest of it is again burnt on the Mizbech, because at the end of the day, you have over here a coin. And you have Rabbi Lazar, but Rabbi Shimon, let's read it inside, who says, Not like the Chachamim. In other words, for Hoysa, La Koyen, Kamincha, Rabbi Lazar holds like his father. Not like a Minchas Koyen, like a Minchas Yisrael. A Kamitza has to be taken. But the Hashirayim, since Rabbi Lazar, but Rabbi Shimon, like the town of our Mishnah, will hold that there is a love of Loisaktiru Mimenu Ishal Hashem, so you can't put the Shiraim on the Mizbech. Also, the Shiraim are not going to be eaten by the Kahanim because it's a Kayin. So, what do you have to do? You have to burn it, turn the page. And the Gemara says, And Vafilu Rabbanan, where they learn that the meaning of Ahoysa. Lakoyen kamincha means that even though it's a chiyuv karbe mincha, that the trade is telling you it should be offered just like a nedava is offered. There is no kamitza. The basakravihi aval behom. But when it comes to the soita, when it comes to the koyhenes, when the wife is married to a koyen, afilu rabbanon moidi, that you're going to burn it al. Base Hadeshen, and that is going to be also the author of our Mishnah. Givaldik. Remember these dinim. These are dinim of Kach. Continues the Mishnah, or the Gemara is quoting from the Mishnah, and that this din is not only by Yesoita, but Bas Yisrael Hanesua. Right? The Bas Yisrael that was married to a Kayan in all cases. So then after the Kemitza is offered, the rest of it has to be burned because of this issue that we just had. But if a Yisrael, but if you have a Koyhenes that is married to a Yisrael, there's no problem. Because the husband is a Yisrael, which means as far as the husband's ownership is concerned, only the Kemitzah goes on the Mizbeach, the Shiraim is Nechalom Lakahanim. She can be a Koyhenes, but the din of Minchas Koyen, Kolol is only on a male Koyen. So therefore the Mishnah says as long as there is no male Koyen involved, then the carbon mincha is offered as any other carbon mincha, kemitza, on the mizbeach, shirayim, are eaten by the kahanim. And how do we know that this din of kolol tia only goes on male kahanim? My tama, so says the Gemara, the Amar Kra, the chol minchas koyin kolol tia loy seyachel, and koyin comes to tell you only a male koyin, koyin veloy koyhenes. And the Mishnah spoke at the next case that koyhenes will become. Miss Chalelis permanently. She becomes permanently profaned if she has a Bia Asura with any person with whom she's not allowed to have a relation. And a Koyen, even while he's living in a sinful behavior, even though then he's temporarily profaned, but a Koyen never becomes permanently profaned. The Ein Koyen Miss Chalel, Minolan, where do we know it from? So Sigmar says, the Amar Krat says, And as Rashi points out from the Gemara in Kedushin, that the Lasha in Hapasik could have been that Loi Yachel, without two Lamids, do not profane your seed. Loi Yachalel is an extra word, meaning that the coin, by having a non kosher relation with a woman, if he's not allowed to have that relation, he profanes two people. Not only the seed, not only the son, that will always be a kayin mechulal, but the woman will always remain a mechuleles, but that's something that he affects on them. It doesn't permanently affect him. Zaroi mischalal, as well as the woman. But vuhu, enoi mischalal, again, permanently. But while he's living with the gerusha, for example, then he has a din of a kayin who is a chalal. He cannot do the avoida. He cannot eat truma, etc., etc. Kohenes mitama, kohenes can lechatchila become tamei. All of the restriction that a kohen cannot become defiled, l'tumas meis, is only on a male kohen mitama. Because when it begins, the parshas emer says, "Emoid el ha kohenim bnei aharon." Now, kohenim 
by default are Bnei Aharon. Why did the Torah say Bnei Aharon? To tell you, Bnei Aharon and nothing that's written in Parshas Emoir is going to Benois Aharon. And the Parsha there is dealing with the restrictions on a Koyen, male Koyen, of him not becoming Tomei Betumas Meis. Only a male Koyen can eat Kachi Kachim because it says, Kol Zachar Bivnei Aharon Yoichlena. Again, there's an XY Zachar. Right, Kol Bnei Aharon. So it's to emphasize only the males and not the females. Then the Mishnah gave eight cases in which generally men and women do not share the same dinim. And the first one the Mishnah spoke out was that if a woman becomes declared by a coin as a mitzvah, even though as far as the tomb is concerned, etc., she's like a man. But the specific din of poireya, of needing to leave her hair grow long, and her renting her garments a specific way during the time that she's a mitzvah, that is not said on a woman. says the Gemara, Ish. Now, you have to understand like this, that throughout Parsha's Tazria, the Torah begins with the words Adam. Adam in the Torah, Adam refers to men and women. That is true by the first Adam, that Adam meant from the beginning a man and a woman, even though that in the Gemara there are two shittas, whether the woman was fully formed in the beginning. There's one opinion that we learned that actually Adam had a tail and she was formed from the tail. No one holds of the rib aside of the goyim. Let them hold what they want. And then you have the other opinion in Gemara, which is the accepted opinion in Kabbalah, called du partsufim, that there were fully two fully forms that were connected somewhere in their back. And when the Torah speaks about that Hashem, so to say, putting Adam to sleep, all what happened there was is that Hashem separated, there was an asira, there was a separation from man and woman. But Adam, there is no female word of Adam. So the parshas Tazriya begins with Adam, man and woman. More than that, in many of the cases of Tzoraz, the Torah says the words, Ish oi Isha. However, in the middle of the Parsha, when the Pasuk is speaking about the Tzora'as, of a bald patch, so if a person, there the Torah only says Ish. So there you would think that on the bald patch, it's like this, that if a person develops a bald patch, and then in the area of the bald patch, there are either red or white streaks, there the Torah says the man becomes a Metzorah. So reading that specific case, one might think, says the Braisa, there it says ish, not ish or ish or dafke ish, so you would think ainly ela ish, how do you know the, the real din? Which is that even in this tzara'as of a bald patch, of a kereach, even a woman is included, ish aminayin, because over there the Pasuk concludes, right, and the one who is a mitzayda, Asher boy, Hanega, etc. And the word Vahatsaru was Mamish extra. So the Pasik, really the word Vahatsaru was in Pasik Memheim, Pasik 45. In Pasik 44, in Pasik Memdala, the trader already says Tsarua, that the person is a Mitsaira. So there's Mamish a repetition of a word, one Mamish near the other. Hare Kanchnaim, the word Vahatsarua comes to include a woman. I, the question is, so why did Hashem say the words ish? Either say nothing. Or say the way it says in the previous case, Isha Yisha, that's Le'ing in Shalomatam. That in the Pasik Memhei, in the Pasik where it says, Vahatsuru Asher Boy Hanega, that is where the Pasik says that during the time that a person is a Matsaira, no matter how they became a Matsaira, that there has to be Poireya Upoirem, you have to let your hair grow and you have to rent your garments. That is only on the Ish. It's Gavaldik how when you read Taita Shabal when you learn Taita Shabal you should realize that. We don't know anything by reading the Chumash. Torah is the Torah Shebaal Peh. And then Hashem taught Moshe Rabbeinu how to get these dinim inside the Chumash. Ish Next din is Ish Madres Benoi Benazir. Only a father has the power to impose a vow of Nazirus on his minor son. So we now we're quoting from a Sechtes Nazir. Amar Rabbi Yechanan, Halachi Hi Benazir. Now, as we spoke out in the Mishnah, Rabbi Yechanan says, and that's the easy way out. It's the truth. 
But once you have a halacha l'moishim Sinai, you only do it exactly the way Hashem told Moishim. Hashem says, Ho'ish ma'adaraz benoi. So from that we know it's Ho'ish and not Ho'isha. According to the Shlokish, it's not a halacha. The Shlokish says, Kedei l'chancham the mitzvahs. As we spoke out on Nazar, that a big part of Chinuch is teaching our children abstinence, which is what Nazar is, the discipline. You want to do something, don't do it, or don't do it now. And that the Gemara asks on Ashlakish, what a woman is not to educate her children? So I in a Mesechtus Nazar, that's Ogyo. As we spoke out the specific case where a son who takes a vow of Nazirus after the father's passing, I'll deny that he can use his father's ma'aisusumin, then indeed he gets to use it for his concluding karbanais, chatos oila and shlamim. But a daughter, a woman, cannot be migalachas, cannot use her father's ma'ais, even if they were not perushim, even if they were only. Susumin, that money is not hers to inherit. It was already designated for the Beis Hamikdash, and again, it's used lekeitz hamizbeach. Again, how do we know that? So Amar Rabbi Yechanan, here there's no machlokes. Halacha he benazir, halacha lo meishem isinai. The Mishnah said, Ho'ish, only a father has the power to be mekadesh as bitoy to marry off his daughter, as we said, until she's a boygeres. But the Ein Ha'isha, but a mother, Mida does not have the power to be Mikadesh's Ezbito. How do we know that from? Because Tehsevit says, Ezbiti nosati This is in a terrible uh, din by Bamaitzi Shemra, but over there the father is speaking out to the basin that I gave my daughter, and we learned from over there. How do we know that a father can marry off his daughter? Because of this Pasik, Ezbiti nosati. And who is speaking? The father. So we only have a source for the father and not for the mother. Not for the mother. Likewise, says the Mishnah, that a father, only a father, has the right to sell off his daughter as a maid servant. But a mother cannot do that. Again, because it says on Parshas Mishpatim, as long as she's not yet a nara, he has the power to sell her as a maid servant. Continues the Mishnah Ha'ish Niskal Arim. Can our Mishnah Shitas Chachamim? Rabbi Yehuda holds that a woman is also Niskelas Aruma. But why does the Chachamim hold that a woman, only a man, is going to be killed and based in unclothed? Because it says, V'rogmu Oisoi. In the parsha of stoning, the Torah adds the words Oisoi, meaning he will be stoned. By the way, stoning doesn't mean stoning. Stoning really means thrown off a taller structure a two-story tall structure. So it's not that the stone is thrown on the person, the person is thrown on the stone. However, if the person, did, and they throw him in a specific way that he should fall on his heart, on his chest, if the person did not die from that fall, then they would throw one large stone on the person. And if still the person did not die, then they would throw many stones on him. So the question is, why does the Torah use the words oisai, him, my oisai? That's not true. It's that if you think it means that only a man under the circumstances where he's going to be found guilty of certain capital crimes that bear the penalty of skila, only a man is going to be stoned. The Torah specifically says that these dinim of capital punishment are equal on men and women. There is one din that only goes for him, and that is oisoi, but like susai, the din of aroim, the din of being killed without being clothed is only on a man, even though they covered his private parts. The Mishnah says, a man is hung for a moment before he's buried, and a woman is not hung. Al eight, he is hung on a tree. So again, oisoi veloi oiso. The final case the Mishnah gave is the eighth case that hoish nimkar That if a man steals, God forbid, if he cannot pay back, or if Bezdin doesn't find the money that he stole to take it back to return it to the owner, so then he could be sold up until six years. That is only on a man, not on a woman. The Torah speaks out these dinim in the male expression. And with this, Hadran Allah, 
we will emerge Hashem return to Pedekoyanoitl. The big discussion here is just to understand the following that there are, in many cases, the Torah speaks Baloshan Zacher. In many cases. So it's a lot more to, to go into as to when exactly do we say, you know, and I'll tell you more than that. We had in the Gemara here in Ahmed Bey's a few cases where the proof that it's only for a male and it's not for a female is because there was a double Lashon. Like it says, um, what was the called Zachar Bivnei Aharon. There was double. Male Bivnei Aharon. In other words, just the words Bivnei Aharon doesn't always mean only Bivnei Veloi Benois. It's because the Torah, not only did the Torah say Bivnei Aharon, the Torah added the word Zachar. So that's something that we have to look into more to figure out when can we say that from any male expression we automatically exclude a female. And sometimes the male expression is just the way the Torah is speaking. And it could include a woman unless there is an, an additional word. And Emir Hashem, when we return to Hayanaitl, we'll return to that as well. Continues the fourth Pedic. Says the Mishnah, Arusa Yavam. The Mishnah is going to give three categories of circumstances where a woman who becomes a Saita, with all of the dinam of a Suffolk Saita, that she's a Surah to be with her husband. However, she will not be able to undergo the drinking test. And understand something. The moment a woman becomes a Saita, if she cannot drink the waters, then the husband is going to have to divorce her because he's not allowed to be with her. And in a marriage, when the husband and wife are not allowed to be together, then there has to be a get. Question is, will he be obligated to give her the ksuba or not? So let's read the first category of the Mishnah. If you have a arusa, so reviewing midoraisa, marriage happens through two steps. The first step is, as we will learn soon in Masechtas Kedushin, that the Kedushin, the, the, the halachic engagement, that's either going to be called Kedushin or Edusin happens by one of the following three. A man is going to give a woman something of value, either a coin or something that has the value of at least a pruta, and make a statement in front of two kosher witnesses that with this you are consecrated to me according to the laws of Moshe and Yisrael. Or the man is going to write on a document, even if the document has no value, not even the value of a pruta, but he writes this declaration on the document and he gives it to her in front of two witnesses. Or, a man can have an one act of cohabitation with his kala to be, and there are edim in the yichud, obviously there are no edim for the bia, and he declares his intent that this is an act of bia l'shem kedushin, Rav Mangid Alman de Mekadesh Bibiyah. From the times of the Amirayim, the rabbis prohibited people affecting engagement through an act of Bia. So let's always use the case of, as our minigas today, we use a ring. A man gave a ring to a woman that has at least the value of a pruta, and through that she becomes a arusa. Today, we do the Eidusin under the chuppah. In other words, today we do Eidusin. And right afterwards, we begin the process, the next step of marriage, which is the actual marriage. The actual marriage, big machloikas, what affects it? We today do all of the different possible activities, beginning with veiling, veiling under the chuppah, even though other people are under the chuppah. The Svardim actually have a minig that sometimes during the chuppah, they put a talus that goes only over the chasen and the kala. Then we Ashkenazim, we don't do the talas, but we go into a room of Yichud, where only the Chassan and Kala are together, even though, by the way, there are many Rishonim that hold, that you can have other people there as well. And then ultimately, the couple moving in together, and having a Bias Mitzvah, which consummates the marriage. In the times of Chazal, there was a normal 12 months wait between the Edusin and Kedushin. Now, after a woman is halachically engaged, even though she's not allowed to be with her husband. She can only be with her husband from marriage onwards, but she becomes a full-fledged married woman as far as her being prohibited to be with any other man. And if, God forbid, there was such a relation with any other man, it's a capital punishment. When she gets killed, just like a married woman gets killed, even though the type of death is not the same, but we'll get into that in another time. Now, during the period of a woman being engaged, what were to happen if a man tells his kala, I don't want you to be with this, including with that man? He gives her a warning, kinoi, in front of two witnesses. Let's learn like Rabbi Yeshua. And then there were two witnesses that she was secluded with that man. 
So the dinner, she becomes a saita. However, she cannot drink the waters. Number two, she met a siyavim. When, let's say, Reuven marries Rachel, and Reuven passes away before he has any children, that means he had no children with her, he had no children from any other prior marriages. He doesn't even have a mamzer. No, no children. If Reuven leaves a living brother or brothers, then there's a mitzvah on the brother or ideally on the eldest of the remaining brothers to do yibum. Meaning that midah there is a zika. There is a bond that automatically connects the widow, Rachel, let's say with Shimon. And for him... To marry her, he doesn't have to give her kiddushin. All he needs to do is have a relation with her. Then the Chachamim made a takana that it's poshed, not uh, modest to do that. It's not considered sneeuzdik to do that. So they, they, they instituted that he should do with her what any other man would do with a woman. He should give her what we would call kiddushin, and that will be called maimar. But Midoiraisa, you don't even need that. You just have an act of cohabitation together. Before that, there is a bond. If they want to get married, they do Yibum, they live together. If they want to sever the bond, then a ceremony called Chalitza needs to be done. Same thing, if a woman is in the stage of waiting for Yibum or Chalitza to be done to her. So she, is, she has a bond to Shimon. Shimon is seeing her, being alone, Connecting with another person. And he warns her, I don't want you to be secluded with him. In front of two witnesses. And then she was secluded with him. She also will become a saita. But she cannot drink. Which means the moment she cannot drink, he has to divorce her. Or in the case of Shemeda Siyavim, he's going to have to give her chalitza. However, when a man divorces his wife, normally he has to give her a ksuba. That's only if he initiated the divorce. If she is the cause of the divorce, then he does not have to give her the ksuba. Since what causes the divorce is her becoming a saita, why was she secluded with that man? So she's considered the cause of the divorce, which is why she loses the ksuba. And just to hazard that by a shemeres yavam, the ksuba that she could have gotten interesting, is the ksuba from her original husband. In other words, when Reuven passes away, normally a widow who becomes a full-fledged widow will get the ksuba from the estate that her husband left. That's the ksuba. But over here, since she is connected to Shimon, so she doesn't get the ksuba yet. More than that, if Shimon is going to consummate the yibum with Rachel, you know what ksuba she'll get at the end of the marriage with Shimon? Not the, not a ksuba from Shimon. What happens is, is that all of the belongings of Reuven is inherited by Shimon. Even if there are other brothers, and even if it's a scenario where normally the estate of Reuven, because he has no children, if the father is not alive, should have been divided equally amongst his brothers. In the case of Yibum, the one who does Yibum with his widow inherits everything that belonged to him, but the part of it that was designated for her ksuba remains designated for her ksuba. So here the din is that he'll give her chalitza. Now, if what happens if he gives her chalitza? So that the moment she gets chalitza, then she gets her ksuba from the state of Reuven. Here she will not get it. And how do we know that, says the Mishnah? Because it says, Asher tiste isha. This is in, right, in Parshas Nasai, in Pasik Chavtes. I'm saying Pasik Chavtes because on Daf Chavdalot we'll have to use, there's a Pasik Yutes and a Pasik Chavtes. So in Pasik Chavtes it says, Asher tiste isha, that this is the din of a woman who goes astray. Tachas isha, while she's under the jurisdiction of her husband. And those words are mamish extra. It should say, these are the dinam of a woman who goes astray. What's the vart? While she's under the jurisdiction of her husband, when can she drink the waters when she's under the jurisdiction? And that comes to exclude an arusa. She's not fully under the jurisdiction of her husband. She's not married yet. And likewise, it comes to exclude a shemeris yavam. According to our Tana of the Mishnah, we'll see it's a machlekes tanaim. She's not considered under the jurisdiction of her husband. Continues the Mishnah. Let's have one more category. Now the Mishnah speaks about cases where you have a halachically illegal marriage. If a almana was married to a kain gadol and a kain gadol is not allowed to marry an almana, there's a mitzvah say that kiin psula ma'am of ikachisha. He has to marry a virgin maiden girl. Or if a gerusha 
or a woman who was a widow but then got chalitza, married a kain hediyit, mida iraisa, a kain cannot marry a divorcee. Midrabanan, a kain cannot even marry a woman who received chalitza. And or, it continues the Mishnah, if you have a mamzeres, a halachic bastard, in the, here it's a bastard woman, what creates a mamzer or mamzeres, any offspring that was fathered, that was created by a relation that bears the penalty of kares, with only one exception. There's only one bia that has the punishment of kares, that if God forbid that relation happened and it created a child, a child is not a mamzer, that's when a man has a relation with his own wife, if God forbid she was a nida. That's an Easter kares that doesn't create a mamzer, that's the only exception. Any other erva in where there is a punishment of kares, whether there's also misas based in or not, then the child, if that created the child, the child is a mamzer, and a mamzer cannot marry into the Jewish community. And we'll learn this in Kedushin. We learned this before a lot. Exactly, the, a mamzer can marry a mamzeres. We'll see the, the cases who a mamzer or a mamzeres can marry. But if a mamzer married a full-fledged Israel or daf chavtes on chavdalad on top, or an asina, what's an asina? So Rashi says, Gutchazara from Yevamis, it was a nation called the Givainim, that they were part of the seven nations, and they fooled Yehoshua, and they converted, and after they converted as Jews, they notified Yeshua that we fooled you. And we are really members of one of the seven nations. So there's really a whole machlekes in the Gemara, and then in the Rishonim, exactly what happened. First of all, there are those who hold that being that they are from the seven nations, even though they converted, the Isur for us to marry into them, or for them to marry into us, is the Isur Daraisa. Other, we learned this in Yavamas, other opinions held that since they converted the, the no, the, and, and, and which includes, you can't marry them, you have to kill them. Once they converted, they are allowed to marry into the Jewish community, but it was Yehoshua, Midrabanan, he began to, he, the word Nasan means designated. He says that they are designated as our slaves. And their function was, they were the water carriers and the wood choppers. Now, either Yoshua made that decree only during the times that the Beis HaMikdash will be standing, and then many years later, when being that the terrible story happened in, in Noiv, and all of the Kahanim were killed, and the Gevainim, the Nesinim, being that they got their livelihood by providing wood and water primarily to the Kahanim and for the Mishkan, when the Kahanim were killed by Shaul HaMelech, they lost their livelihood, and some of their children died from hunger. And terrible things were happening to the Jewish people. And Beruach HaKadosh, David HaMelech was notified that it's happening because of what we somehow caused to the Givainim. So he went and asked them for forgiveness. And they were demanding retribution. And they were saying we will only be appeased if the same amount of children that died from our community will be killed from Shaul HaMelech's grandkids. And, there was a, and David HaMelech was appealing with them that they should forgive us. And they didn't. And we, David HaMelech with the Aron Kodesh chose children from descendants from Shaul and they were killed. And that is when David HaMelech said that the nature of a Jew is to be Rachmanim, Baishanim, and Gaim Lechassanim, and they were Achzarim. So he somehow added to what Yeshua began. One approach would be that David HaMelech said that even after the Churman Abayis, imagine, he didn't build a temple yet. But he says that the Takanas Yeshua was, they're only designated as slaves up until a certain period. David HaMelech was, made a Takana that Nesinim are always going to be considered Avadim, and whether it's Midaraisa or Midarabanan, they can never marry into the Jewish community. So if there was such a marriage, or it was the opposite, a, the woman was kosher, but the man was the Mamzer, the man was the Nasin. So all of these marriages are illegal, says the Mishnah, Loi Shoysois, that they could become a Saita. However, again, like in the first cases of the Mishnah, they will not be allowed to drink the waters, and therefore you'll have to divorce them, and they won't get the Ksuba because it's considered their fault. Now, why is it that they cannot drink? So when it comes to the Arus and the Shemeres Yavim, the Mishnah gave a reason. 
because there is a Pasuk that excludes them. Why can they not drink? So here is the famous, we spoke it out so many times, that there's a big machlaikas between Rashi and many others, and the Rambam on the other side. What's the machlaikas? When the Torah says that v'niko ho'ish me'avin, which means that the waters only work if the man is innocent. Rashi holds that the innocence or the guiltiness of the man is specifically whether he had a relation with his wife after she became a Saitam. That if after she became a Saitam, the man had a relation with her, which he shouldn't have, then the waters won't work anymore. Only that type of sin. According to the Rambam, if the man had any non-kosher relation, the waters already won't work. So let's go with the Rambam. Lashita Sarambam. Of course, why would she drink the waters? The waters won't work. The very fact that he was living with her, he's a mamzer, she's a mamzeres, or almanol, or kain gadol, that's living in sin. So he's not v'nikoi ishme aving, the waters will not work. Now, Larashi, that's not good enough. Because even though he was sinning by being married to her, that, that in itself will not prevent the waters from working, because the sin that will prevent the waters from working is only if he had a relation with her after she became a saita. So Rashi will explain the reason why they don't drink is, is because what's the purpose of drinking? And we'll end with that. It's a Gavaldika thing. The purpose of drinking is not to punish her. It's not to kill her. Adarabah, the Beisden would rather for her to admit that she committed adultery. There won't be Aden, and she will not get killed. But don't erase Hashem's name. Admit that you did, if she committed adultery, admit to it, and your husband will divorce you. The Kavan is not to punish. The Kavan is the opposite. That sin, she might be innocent. We want to make peace between the husband and the wife. If nothing will happen to her, it's going to prove that she did not commit adultery, and he's going to get his trust back. And that will create a harmonious marriage. But if the marriage is not kosher for any other reason, whether it is Midaraisa or even only Midarabanan, why would we want to create a harmonious marriage? We do not want them to get married. That's why she will not drink the waters. Even if the marriage is only Asr, Midarabanan, she's a Chalutza, and according to certain Rishonim, an Asina or an Asan, which is only, so to say, only, an Isra Midarabanan, we don't do anything that will promote that marriage. And that's why, so there has to be a get. And she caused it so she will not get the ksuba and emirates Hashem to be continued.